Welcome to the Gym Session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the Gym Session. I'm your host, Jimmy Sabo. I've got a huge show coming up, as always. I've got a couple of guests joining us to talk about media and the issues from the weekend. We're going to ramble on about a a couple of major talking points from round 13. We'll also play a little quote game you can play along with at home. I'll, um, I'll introduce that later. I'll finish off the show by giving you three sure things to look out for next round as well. Speaking of next round, Tom Lynch is allowed to play, despite the fact he's apparently the dirtiest thug to ever step on the... On the footy field, uh, the media coverage over the past couple of weeks has been horrendous, as has the public outrage. Um, not just on footy, though. I think absolutely everything. Um, we're getting to a point now in this lockdown where it's bringing out the worst of us. I've had debates and arguments over everything from staging for a free kick to which flavour of Pringle is superior. I think it's it's getting to a point. I think I just need to leave the house. I think everyone does. Um, thank God we've got footy to watch. And uh, it's something to complain about. And it's better than complaining about the other garbage. Um, so on the weekend, we had a whole bunch of footy um, to watch and talk and complain about. So I think it's time to get to our wonderful round recap. Here's what happened in round 13. Yes, Jimmy! It was a dull win for footy as the Sir Doug Nichols round kicked off at TIO Stadium. Wages and bets were met with cheers as Eddie got on the scoreboard early. The game reached no great heights, but when life gives you lemons, you make him kick a goal and have seven disposals. It wasn't a standout during the night, and Gold Coast used their wits, but it just wasn't their day. The Blues used Murphy's Law to win the game, kick it to me, and marked his Darwin territory as Carlton's home of their 33-point win. A dogfight for the Ds was next on the cards, with Luke Beveridge's men put on a bit of a leash in the first half. He let his dogs out in the second, though, kicked six consecutive goals through huntering packs, McLean ball movement, and McCrazy good skills. Wallace kicked four for the day, and the Demons are back in football hell after the 28-point loss. Hashtag no free kick Hawthorne circulated social media as the Hawks didn't have the power to beat Port. The umps weren't great, but neither was their contested possession tally. Not even Big Ben in his milestone game could rock the boke. Port by 10. Richmond players were bolting through the middle of the ground in their Dreamtime clash, with Mosquito's bite not strong enough to stop the Tigers short. Dusty and Darwin was clean, while Don's fans wished they could have changed the tip and Woody. Grimes and Floston look like they've taken a Jake Arts degree majoring in acting, as the light at the end of the Essendon Tunnel is looking a lot dimmer. Tigers by two goals. Frio by 31, as a five-star performance was overshadowed by a player who is not lukewarm anymore, his smoking hot Ryan. Brayshaw on Monday sunk the Swans, while Adam's goal was a cherra on top of the cake. The Crows needed more than sunny weather and Walker and Coke to enjoy a Sunday session at Adelaide Oval, with the catch showing they cam here to play. Guthrie had 33 touches, Patrick caused danger, while Rory was almost a Sloan Ranger in the loss. 28 points was the final margin. You'd be lions if you said this one was comfortable, with Brisbane's accuracy barely any good. They were shooting from the hipwood and kicked 14 behinds. Luckily for them, one of them belonged to St Kilda, whose was made of steel but still lost by two points. The Giants are running out of time as I'm running out of puns. With another loss, a greater Western signal, finals are not a sure thing. The Eagles' darling put on a pretty performance, but it was Ruck man of the match who proved he's in great nick. Not just your average big man. Eagles by 12 points. Both sides in the final game of the round had a real case of Monday-itis. Despite some sloppy skills, Bucks was able to serve up some Appleby-flavoured pies on a tray sprinkled with Pendlebury. Rusco was impressive with two goals, 
Cox was hard and side bottom made of steel. North were Dumont for a win, but it didn't come this week. Collingwood by five points. Well, big weekend of footy. Um, it was strange, actually, to have uh, footy from Friday to Monday. And uh, we shouldn't really get used to it because another footy festival is coming our way shortly. With more footy, though, comes more opinions, which I guess after what we've seen recently, it worries me. Um, the incidents are blown up, they're magnified, the opinions turn to news. It's crazy, crazy times. But I guess that's why we love and hate this game. Um, it's so unique, and it brings a whole heap of opinions for us to enjoy, uh, which is what we're going to do with our next guest. All right, our guest today is one of the most talented and knowledgeable journos in the business. Since I've been at the company, he's been my editor, mentor, colleague, and friend, and someone I always turn to for advice and feedback, especially on those same-game multis. Uh, he's currently the Sportsmate Mobile Editor and Chief of Content. It's none other than Gordon Hunter-Meredith. <laughs> Welcome, Gordo. Thanks, Jimmy, and that's a massive pump-up. I uh, have no doubt I won't live up to that today, but uh, that's okay. I'm sure you will, mate. And I've tried for, what, 10 episodes now to try and uh, get you on it. You finally agreed to come on. It only cost me 250 bucks, so I think it's a bargain. Thank you again. Um, I've been told I'm, I'm biased and emotional, which is false and I'm furious, but um, I think I needed to get a true professional in to answer a few questions because we've had a lot of talk and um, issues over the last week. I wanted your take on the reporting of Tom Lynch and and those incidents. How have you found it? Well, I think when we talk about the reporting of Tom Lynch, we need to break it down into different segments. And so I suppose you have the initial act, or the initial reporting of Tom Lynch, the player, versus Tom Lynch, the personality, versus Tom Lynch, the concept. So the reporting of Tom Lynch, the player, I think is actually being totally fine. And that's mostly just there's some video evidence of, you know, he hit someone off the ball or he didn't. That goes through to the tribunal. All those kind of like straight news, fact-finding things about Tom Lynch, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But then the other two aspects of this is where I think we lose what actually is reporting. It just becomes opinion piecing or just becomes kind of just filler, really. Mm -hmm. The talkback, classic talkback filler. So part A of that is Tom Lynch, the, the persona. So some people like the fact that Tom Lynch went to Richmond. Some people don't. And you draw a line there, you make a decision, and you turn it into content. Again, that's totally fine, but no one calls it content. People call it news, and that's why people get confused. And then the secondary part of that is that people look at the the response to the responses, and suddenly mm. it becomes not only a story about Tom Lynch, but it becomes a story about Mitch Robinson. It becomes a story about Kane Corns. It becomes a story about SEM versus Triple M. becomes everything else. And so they just use Tom Lynch as, a, as a, almost like a catalyst to create more content. And that's kind of the number one issue, I think, with sports news, in inverted commas, is that there's not a lot of news. Mm. Like... We've had the pandemic. AFL is going, having some financial struggles. That's real news. And then you've got the scores, which are real news. But the rest, it's, a, it's opinion or it's fluff or it's filler. And that's totally fine. That's the business we're in. We have to understand that. But people shouldn't get upset if someone has an opinion because that's what they're doing. They're voicing their opinion. It's not news. It can't be deemed false if you don't like Tom Lynch or if you do like Tom Lynch. What all you can do is in reporting is actually report facts, and then everything else is opinion. Mm. So you said it's it fine because from a business sense, it's it's just how it is these days. It's leading to a lot of cheap clickbait, I think, to draw in this you know outrage addicted society that we live in. What are your thoughts on on that type of thing? Is it is it more important how the the story is, I guess, presented to the public, like the the clickbait um, uh, grabs or quotes and that sort of thing? Is it all fine? It's all free for all, or should you be careful with with how you? how you're um, writing your headlines and drawing people in? It's tricky because I think 
you know, from my end of the of the spectrum here is that I will always try and get you guys to write the most captivating headlines as possible. Mm. I'm not a particularly huge fan of clickbait. And we try and steer away from that personally here at, at Sportsman and, and on Footy Live. But in terms of running a captivating headline, if you if you as a writer or a content creator or as a journalist, again, depending on what you're doing, mm. if you think running, you know, Mitch Robertson slams Tom Lynch in wanker tirade and you think people are going to click on that, well, then you probably should run with that as the headline. Mm. I think the issue becomes is when the headline has nothing to do with the actual content. And so that's becoming more and more the case with some of these pieces that actually it becomes that Robertson's tirade wasn't a tirade. It was a half mark, half a mark on a Twitch stream. And you know, David Swartz's, um slam on Tom Lynch wasn't actually a slam. It was an opinion about what he would do if he was a player and so forth, so on and so forth. So that's the part where I think we get into trouble is that you're looking for outrage so the, so the articles get, get titled in ways that will actually perceive outrage on the off chance that people will just on share without even reading the article. And that's how it goes legs. So I think that's the more the issue as opposed to the reporting. Mm. We'll be back after a quick break. Do you think that Tom Lynch got sent to the tribunal because of the media? You'd kind of have to think so. Yeah. Having reread the, uh, the guidelines and given the fact that carryover points went out of, went out of uh, fashion in 2014, there's there's not much else to suggest that then, you know, it was his third time in the hot spot. They had to look like they were doing something, so they did something and then they made a mockery of themselves by using that one as the one that they take to the tribunal. So that was a bit of a... Uh, We'd probably have a mulligan on that one if you were the AFL tribunal on that one. You think? I reckon so. I reckon so. Yeah. No, look, I'm I'm sick of talking about the, the those sort of incidents and the reporting on the outrage of the outrage, and then it just goes in a circle. So we need to start talking about what's actually happening on the field. And uh, you're very um, uh, aware of of uh, what's been happening on the field because you've got a betting podcast, um, which we should listen to every. It's every Thursday, isn't it, Gordo? Yeah, every Thursday or the day before um, the, the round racing starts. game. Nice. So I want to know um, three bets that we can put on this week because I've listened to you in the past and it's it's resulted in some good money for me and my multis. I want you to give us three now that we can use for this weekend. Have you got some prepared? I do have some prepared. Free mail versus uh, GWS Saturday at 435 I think you've you've written a lot this year about how GWS have kind of been the most disappointing team mm-hmm. playing in a style that doesn't really benefit their their type of players, and to the fact that they always seem to have injury woes, they always seem to have this kind of lack of cohesion. Yep. And Fremantle, whilst you know they're now another lowly side this year, they're very honest and it's very easy to predict what they're going to bring. Mm-hmm. And if they bring their kind of trademark pressure, their kind of ability to take the game on, they're very similar to Sydney by playing very direct football, getting them a two dollars thirty two at home against the GDS side that's basically already out of finals. I know they're technically inside the eight still, mm. but they're definitely on a downward trend. Yep. That's definitely value for money for there in that value area pick. 
I like it. I like it. I've been impressed with Frio and and mm-hmm. their ability also to stop teams from scoring. I think has been fantastic. So and GWS are a team that do struggle. I mean, they used at what kept them in it was when they got it down inside fifty. They could score, but they weren't getting it down often. Now they're struggling to score as well. So I think it's a good bet. I like that one. I'm putting it in. What's up next? And- then the next two uh, will be my sure thing mm-hmm. and uh, my roughy, and so they're from the same game. Okay. And it comes into uh, TIO Treasure Park, seven forty on Saturday, the prime time slot. We've got Melbourne versus St Kilda. Now we've been talking about bad reportage just mm-hmm. before yep. the Tom Lynch thing. That is not the worst piece of reporting because, frankly, most of it's not reporting. Yep. The worst bit of reporting this year has been by one of our rivals. We won't name and shame, but yep. somehow. Big media agencies in Melbourne think that Melbourne is a good football side. They think they're a funnels-bound football side. They think this side is potentially a premiership contender that probably has the Colin medalist and the Brownlow medalist in it. That's blatantly false. You're strong on this. I like it. Yes, they got beaten by Brisbane on the weekend, but they were in it with a chance against a a bona fide top four side. Mm -hmm. Melbourne, easy kills and easy kills only (laughs) is all they've provided so far this year. So, yes, they've won three of the last five, just like St Kilda have. But where have those games been won by? They've won against Adelaide. They've won against North Melbourne. They've won against Collingwood, half of Collingwood side half out. Half of Collingwood, exactly. St Kilda have taken up to the big dogs. So that's that's the, the sure thing of the weekend. $1.72, St Kilda to win. Mm. Melbourne is everything St Kilda loves. Melbourne is predictable, one-dimensional, and slow. St Kilda loves the outside pace. They love to go over the, over the, over the back and score close to goal. That is their huge accuracy. Melbourne's defence, again, slow, not great off the ground. So that's the obvious pick. To roll it into something with a bit more value, mm-hmm. there are a lot, more book, a lot of bookmakers at the moment doing your three-leg multis, one loses, you get your money back. Yep. So use St Kilda to win $1.72 as your safety bet, and then roll in the current one, which is St Kilda to win the first quarter. Why? St Kilda's ranked fourth in first quarter performances this year. Mm-hmm. Melbourne's ranked 16th. So they're slow out of the gates. Yep. and. In games that Melbourne lose, which I predict they will this weekend, they've always lost the first quarter this year. So okay. that's the angle there. And for the third leg is uh, one of your favourite players, yeah. uh, Mr. Dan Butler, to jag a goal as he <laughs> yeah. does pretty much every game for St Kilda. Has, so roll those three together. Consistent. You're getting about $3.50. Heaps of value for a Monty in St Kilda this week. And uh, I think there's your angle plays for the weekend ahead. I love it. And I love that take too. I couldn't believe the, the amount of talk that came out of Melbourne's win over Collingwood. Uh, Collingwood made them look a lot better than they are. Gordo, I wanted to play a quick game, and it's something we talk about a lot in the office, is quotes, famous quotes from journos because we love them. Um, mm-hmm. It's a quick game. You've got to match the quote with the media professional. I'll give you multiple choice as well. All right. So I'll play. Wait for the music. Um, all right. First one. The quote is, I'm telling you that everyone's thinking you're a douchebag for what you're doing at the moment. So who said that? Was it A, David King, B, Mark Robinson, or C, Nick Del Santo? Definitely not David King, because David <laughs> only speaks in cliches. Uh, could have been Nick Del Santo, but I don't think he would have used douchebag or something yeah. stronger. Mm. So I would have to go uh, Mark Robinson. Deeply ironic, too, because I think he's had that conversation a lot in um, places outside of his <laughs> workplace with uh, certain punters. So I'm locking Mark Robinson on that one. For me, yeah, please. that is correct, mate. Well done. Off to a flyer. Second quote, I don't see how you could possibly refer that to the tribunal. I think it's question. I think it questions the ability to continue in that role next year. That quote was uh, towards Michael Christian for sending um, Tom Lynch to the to the tribunal. Was it A, Nick Rewalt, B, Gary Lyon, or C, Jonathan Brown? 
Well, I was about to say, it's definitely a catch quote because mm. they love to get a hard text. Yeah, it is. Um, I do believe I saw this on the news today, so I think that's a Nick Rewald quote. It is Nick Rewald. Well done. Gordo, two from two. You're on fire. Quote three. I think Port Adelaide drop out of seriously challenging for this year's flag for a number of reasons. They're too Charlie Dixon focused, and I don't see a solution to that in time. I don't think they're seriously a threat for it. Now, that quote was from yesterday. Okay, was it A, Kane Corns, B, Jonathan Brown, or C, Jared Waitley? Definitely either Jared Waitley or Kane Corns. That sounds like a Monday's mean test type situation. <laughs> you are good. Um, you are good, girl. It definitely was from the Monday means test. I think I think I go Kane Corns. It was. Well done, mate. That's good. And it's surprising coming from Cornsy as well to rule Port no, Adelaide out. This is the classic reverse mods <laughs> from Cornsy. Yeah, no, he's that... jumped off port so that port when they win the flag he'll be like oh no dead dead inside I'm always a port man yeah <laughs> alright um, next one I think against Gold Coast it was a bunch of kids they fiddle with the ball too much they don't use it very well then against St Kilda that was a disaster this is just total rubbish a 5 year old could do better ball movement than this seriously they're absolutely horrendous was it A. Ross Lyon B. Mark McClure C. David King it's an angry man takes. So I got the lock in Mark McClure. <laughs> it is Mark McClure. Very good, Gordo. All right, I've got two left, and these are from the past. Though. These are from a, a long time ago, so we'll see See if you get it. I'm, I'm backing you in to get the last two right. Okay, here's the quote. Well, either side could win it, or it could be a draw. <laughs> Whose famous quote was that? Is it A, Brian Taylor, B, Dermot Brereton, or C, Wayne Carey? That's a tough one. Definitely a forwards mentality there. They're all forwards. That doesn't help. Wayne Carey. No, it was Dermot Brereton. But it is something you could see Wayne Carey saying, definitely. All right, next one. Last one. Last one. Okay, who said this? I hate Collingwood so much, I can't even watch black and white TV. Was it A, Kevin Bartlett, B, Francis Burke, or C, Jack Dyer? could have been all of the above. It could have been, definitely. Uh, let's go KV. No, it was Jack Dyer. Oh, you were close. See, the ones of today, you've, you've got them. Locked down. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a man of the present. You, you are a man, man of the, the present. present. <laughs> we're always looking forward. <laughs> that was brilliant. Well, I hope everyone played along at home and had fun. Um, Gordo, you're an absolute champion. We always, um, I always appreciate your... Um, your opinions and we've also seen you producing a brilliant other podcast that I'm in it's uh, called the um, Sports Media Microscope me and Sam Duncan and you're producing it so uh, we'll see you tomorrow talking about that and uh, that should be out when do you reckon we'll get that one out this week Uh, probably Thursday afternoon I reckon Thursday afternoon perfect mate I can't wait can't thank you enough for coming on mate I appreciate it no worries at all mate and as you said if listeners enjoyed our small media chat this afternoon uh, it's just but a sample of what you'll hear with uh, Sam and Jimmy this week. So tune in then. Brilliant. All right, Gordo there. Thank him for coming on. Loved having his take and I love having your take as well. So make sure you get involved with the hashtag the gym session on Twitter. Um, Lachlan Mitchell, he got involved last week and he said, I'm living to hear want to chuck on a same game multi. Such a historic moment in a man's life and I'm sure something that will live with you forever. The podcast provides more than just a wonderful recap. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Lucky. I appreciate that. And yeah, that was in reference to last week. I explained. My girlfriend turned to me and said the words that every man wants to hear. Do you want to chuck on the same game, multi? And it was brilliant. Um, best moment of the year for me. 
thanks for that, mate. Um, I'm sure you'll hear that too one day. And if I know Lockie well, he'll be making a lot of multi-bets. And if you can um, start to do that soon, because we've got a footy festival coming up, he could make a lot of money. That man, he knows his footy. Um, another email got sent to me uh, from Frankie the Pies Fanatic. He just wrote, plain and simple this week. He goes, tell me how good the pies are still with four genuine A-graders out. Um, he's tipping the pies to win the flag still. Well, for me, Frankie, I don't I don't know if I can tell you how good they are because I haven't been impressed with them for a long, long time. Even last night, look, they won the game, but they didn't do it in convincing fashion. And the fact is, it's not, a, it's not a system that looks dangerous. Like, they can't score. I think they took two marks inside 50 for the entire game from about 43 inside 50s. I think if you can't kick a score, come finals time, it's going to be extremely tough. So... I mean, you get players back. I mean, still side bottom not, might not play for the rest of the season. Who knows? So, um, yeah, I don't know if you can be that confident with the Pies. For me, I, I still um, was it oh, was it John O'Brown? I think it was John O'Brown a couple of weeks ago. Put a line through them. I don't think he's wrong. Like I just, I'd be shocked now if I see the Pies winning a grand final, even making it there because they're not looking fantastic at the moment. I know injuries hurt. That is true, but I just yeah, I'm not confident, Frankie. Sorry, mate. Um, please get involved with the show, hashtag the gym session at Sabo James on Twitter, or, or you can email me. My email's in the description. And someone who does like getting involved with the show is our next guest. I can't wait for this. Yes, Jimmy! All right, our next guest of the show, it's the one and only Nick Guglielmino. Um, he's had his time on, on here before, and we've already given him a huge rap and intro. So this time, I think he needs to do most of the talking because he's been waiting a long time. Every week he's been asked me, please let me come on. I've got so much to say. And we're finally giving him his own segment. It's called Nick Off. And he's going to pick something that really annoyed him on the last weekend of footy, Nick. Nick Off. Nick Off. Nick Off. Nick off. I've got a feeling there's so many things you want to talk about. <laughs> there is, but I'm going to control myself and stay away from anything Hawthorne related because you know really? how I can get with that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about staging. Oh, here we go. Because right. it is at the forefront of um, the AFL community, really. It's been well documented this year. Mm-hmm. And your mob was at the centre of it on the weekend, James, which yeah. unfortunately prompted for some un- unwarranted social media abuse, yeah. which we won't get into too much because we certainly don't condone it. It's quite frankly disgusting and totally uncalled for, so mm-hmm. we'll just skip past that. But this year it has been happening a lot more for some reason, and we have to stamp it out because I don't like using the C word, but it is a form of cheating and it's a bad look. It, it, I mean, it happens almost every year, but it's never been in the spotlight spotlight like it is this year um i can remember a few from past seasons james jimmy bartell against mike hawks he did it a few times mm. uh ben brown he's uh, he can almost win a gold medal for some of his performances but this oh, year dang. we've seen tom papley he got fined for his dive a few weeks back Callan ward was borderline didn't get fined okay that can slip under the rug uh but this week nick flostern and dylan grimes they've both copped fines the AFL has done the right thing, but what really irks me, James, What's that? is the nerve, the nerve from Grimes and Flosson to come out and appeal their decisions. Who are they trying to fool? Are you telling me, Dylan, that 
that little tap on the back that you received sent you flying like that? Come on, mate. You have to be better. Not only not only is that lying, but they're basically condoning it. And I know it's a split-second heat-of-the-moment thing. It's been happening uh, more often, and it just needs to stop. The players have to own up to it, admit it's wrong, stamp it out of the game. We don't want to see players doing this. And, you know, if it keeps happening, then they just need to increase the fines because it's just not on. Nick off. Bang, huge from you. Nick off. What? Yep. What a first yeah, seg- What a, what an um, opening I'll, segment. I'll cut it off with whoever does any more di- uh, diving mm. over the next few weeks. They can nick off. So <laughs> there's my segment done. Bang, that was huge from you. I thought you were going to go the umpires um, from, from last <laughs> week, but it's good. I liked the state. You're very strong on it and very firm. I have a question to you, though. Do you actually yes. believe that it's happening more these days or is it because there's more cameras and there's more eyes on the players? There's different angles. I mean, back in the day, it happened as well. We've seen vision of Kevin Sheedy diving. We've seen vision of uh, Sam Newman diving, staging for free kicks. Yeah, I think it's always been a part of the game. Mm. And I noted a couple of examples before with Bartel and Ben Brown. Yep. But it is in the spotlight more this year. And I do believe... I do believe there have been a few more cases this year than previous years. Mm. Sometimes you, we see it every odd week, but I mean now we've seen four cases of it in like the past three or four weeks, mm. um, and probably some other ones that haven't been um, spotted. I could be wrong, but yeah, so, so far I think, I mean whether it's been happening twenty years ago or today, it, it doesn't belong in the game. I think it needs to be stamped out. Good, I like that, Nick. This was good from you. Um, give us your Twitter handle. So everyone can contact you and let you know what, what they thought yeah. of your performance. Yeah, yeah. Hit me up on Twitter. It's at Nick Gug, G-U-G, at the end there, underscore. So, yeah, hit me up on there and send all the abuse my way. I'm Brilliant. ready for it. Brilliant. What a champion. Love your work, Nico. I will speak to you soon, mate. Have a good one. Thanks, mate. See ya. Right. Nick off. All right, Nico, doing some fantastic work there. Um a team who did fantastic work as well on the weekend were Frio. And I wrote about them in yesterday's article. They are not getting the credit that they deserve for me. Look, they've won three of their, their past four games. They're playing great footy. They've beaten the Hawks. They've beaten the Pies. They've beaten the Saints. And they have a, a losing margin of just 18. I think what Justin Longmuir's done with this team is, is incredible. And and fair point, in Victoria, we don't really talk about um, Fremantle that much. But especially on Saturday night, poor thing, they had the game at the same time as the Dreamtime. So no one was watching when they uh, when they smacked the Swans pretty convincingly. And um, yeah, I think they deserve to be talked about a lot more. As I said, the losing margin of just 18. They are also number one defensively for conceding marks inside 50, just five per game, and conceding points from clearances, just 11 per game. A lot, a lot of that has to do with Luke Ryan. I think he's in all-Australian form for me. Um, in, he's just from his last nine games, he's conceded just ten goals, and he's played on some great forwards as well. And on the weekend, dominated again, twenty-six disposals, seven rebound fifties, and he helped keep the Swans to just two goals for the match. And something funny as well on the weekend, I mean, we expect a lot from our superstars. So when they play a half decent game, you, you go, oh, you know, look, it's expected. You don't really talk about it much. But we've been we've been hearing a lot about Dusty, about Lockie Neal, about Christian Petrarca, about Tom Hawkins. We haven't heard much about Nat Fife. But if you look at the AFL player ratings, um, and I know some people don't rate Champion Data's um, rankings that highly, but he's rated number three in the competition. And it does really, it measures how influential a player is in their side. He ranks number three in the competition. And he is number one for goals from a midfielder. 
He's fourth for ground ball gets, and he's third for contested possessions. But despite that, his name wasn't even mentioned on the weekend in the in the post-match press conference. And he had 20, 22 disposals as well, must add. Six clearances, 12 contested possessions, but didn't get mentioned. It's um, it's a strange one. I think it's just the Frio curse, isn't it? Matt Tabernar as well. Tabs has kicked a goal in every single round this season, and uh, he's got great hands. I mean, sometimes his accuracy is not fantastic, but his ability to lead up to the ball, take a strong mark, and, and go back. And, and he's kicked a goal in every game, I'm, I, like I said. So he can kick him, but I think he's been extremely impressive. So I think Frio, they get hard done by in the media. They don't get talked about much, but I'd, I'd, I wanted to mention them. I wanted to mention Irving Mosquito as well, because I guess the biggest talking point from the weekend um, was basically that Tom Lynch um, was sent to the tribunal because of oh, an incident that wasn't worthy of it. But um, people didn't really highlight the fact that Irving Mosquito in his debut was extremely exciting in a, in a huge game, I think, for um, well, for him, obviously, for the club. The club's involved in the Indigenous community and the Indigenous stars of the AFL. Uh, for him to play his first game in Darwin in front of, in front of that crowd and to kick two goals and dazzle um, when he did have the ball, I think, was fantastic. And, and while I, I'm, I don't like to compare, you know, young stars and you put pressure on them, but the fact that when he did have the ball, he influenced the contest. That's a, that's a kind of Surioli type skill that he didn't have a lot of a lot of possessions in his day. But when he did get the ball, something exciting happened, and especially that second goal from Irving was brilliant. Loved it, and that night altogether, I think was was great. I love having the Dreamtime game there at uh, CIO Stadium. I think it should stay there every season. If you've got an um, an opinion on that, please let me know. Um, I think it was fantastic. Daniel Rioli performed well, kicked the goal. In front, in his home game, Shea Bolton, who designed his family designed the the shirt. He won the uh, the the uh, medal for best on ground, the Yayukan Award. And uh, Anthony McDonald Tipamudi played a fantastic game as well. And unfortunately, a goal got taken away from him because of a Dylan Grimes dive. But I think it was a good uh, a good night in all, um, especially for the Tigers. I mean, they want to get wind under the belt. Uh, um, well, as much as they can now with finals coming up and they won a top four spot. So I think it was an important game and it was trying conditions as well in the heat there. It was uh, it would have been incredibly tough to play in those conditions, but I think the boys, both sets of, uh, sets of clubs did well. The intensity was still there. It was an exciting game. Um, despite the fact the Tigers dominated majority of the play, um, absolutely, inside 50s, incredible um, amount for the Tigers. Um, but credit to the Dons, they stayed in the contest. They defended pretty well. The Doggies, on the weekend, they had a, another big win. It was surprising. As I mentioned to Gordo, I was extremely surprised that they came into this game as the underdogs against Melbourne. Melbourne have beaten Collingwood, and that's it, really, of note. And they played a Collingwood side who was demoralised, who were absolutely no, hardly any stars. They had no motivation. They played shocking footy, and Melbourne were made to look a lot better than they are. The Doggies, they came into this one, it's basically an elimination final with them, especially with they've got the Eagles and Geelong coming up. I think it's Geelong than the Eagles. But they've got Fremantle and Hawthorne after that. So they're probably guaranteed two wins, I reckon. If they're playing for their season against Hawks and Freer, I think they win that. But um, the ability for the Dogs now, they've, they're scoring from all over the park. And they've got Mitch Wallace there who's in fine goal-scoring form, and you can say, oh, Aaron Norton needs to have a bigger impact. Josh Bruce needs to have a bigger impact. The fact is, those two in the forward line, they're taking the best defenders. That leaves Mitch Wallace there. He kicked four goals on the weekend. It's his career best. And if he can if he can play some footy like that, 
for the next couple of years. I mean, they're, they're set. So I, I really like his um his game this season. He's what is he in the top five for the Coleman race? He's he's been great. Um, the doggies as well. They're um they're chipping in from scores like I said through through the middle. Their clearances uh uh numbers are up, and they're generating the second most points from defensive fifty chains. A lot of that has to do with Caleb Daniel. Footwork is um, sensational. Then you've got Hayden Crozier there, who's got um, great kicking ability and uh, marking ability. So he's chopping us intercepts in the back half. This is a team that I believe out of the teams fighting for that position, they should be playing finals. Now, I don't think GWS can make it as a bike rolls past and I can hear it in the mic. Um, I don't think GWS can make it. I don't think Melbourne can make it. I don't think Carlton can make it. So I'm happy for the dogs to make it. If they can play that type of football, um, they deserve it in my mind. Um, someone else who deserves it is the Lions, but they've got to fix up something that's a huge problem for them, and it's a problem that basically cost them their finals campaign last season, and it's their kicking ability. Um, they're number two on the AFL table in terms of um, wins, obviously, because they're second on the ladder. But they're number 18 in front of the big sticks. They're the worst in the competition for accuracy. And it's a sheer weight of numbers that's getting them over the line at the moment. They had 20 shots to 13 against the Saints. But they only came away with the two-point win. And uh, like I said, in last year's qualifying final against the Tigers, they went at a shooting accuracy of 32%. Um, they kicked eight goals and 17 behinds. They lost by 47 points that night. You know, and they had three more shots than the Tigers. Then in the semi-final, the same thing. They went at 44%, 11 goals, 14 behinds. It cost them last year, and it looks like it's going to cost them again. They'll, they'll be able to get there because, like I said, the, the sheer weight of numbers, the amount of inside 50s they get, they're going to score goals. And they can stop their opposition from scoring as well. But when it comes to finals, and goals are so hard to come by, you can't be wasting opportunities like this. I think Eric, Eric Hipwood... I love the way he's changed his game. He's using his body. He's using his frame to, to knock a, knock opponents around, go and take huge grabs. He just needs to finish it off, you know. They kick 6-14 for the match, and in the third quarter, 3-7. And uh, it's just it's not good. No, they, they, got, they deserve the win, but they just got away with it. And I think come finals time, it's extremely dangerous. And it's something that could cost them. I still stand by my, my claims. I think, I think Richmond, for the flag, and I'm biased. I think they'll, they'll win it. The biggest threats for me... Geelong, West Coast, and I had Brisbane there, but if they're going to be kicking like this and not being able to consistently put scoreboard pressure on, I don't know if they're going to, yeah, if they're going to be able to do it. Sydney, um, New South Wales in general had a had a bad weekend. Um, both sides, this one score that was the as we mentioned against Freo, it was their lowest score since 1982. Um, and the Giants basically threw away their their chance of making finals with that performance um, against West Coast. Now. Leon Cameron's went, they went goalless in the first term. They kicked one uh, in the second quarter. Yes, they were competitive in contested ball clearances, especially after after half time. But they really couldn't compete with that. Uh, the work from Nick Nat and Jeremy McGovern. And it's disappointing because after they made the grand final last year, you felt that, that something was happening. That they'd gone, they'd taken that extra step. They'd lost a few pre- preliminaries in, in the past, and you thought that this might be the you know, the change that they needed. Uh, they make the grand final. They've got a taste of it. They come out this season. They've been disappointing. I think the talent they've got on the park is good enough to get there, and they haven't been able to do it. So I'm disappointed for them. Um, Nick Rewald, he put a line through him a couple of weeks ago, I think, or maybe last week, and uh, you can only imagine what he's thinking this week about the Giants. It's um, 
not good. And Sydney too, they were like the last few weeks, they've been impressive. But then to go out there and, and only score two goals, seven for the match, um, they went inside 50 for, for, what is it, 43 times, I think. And they kicked two goals for the match. So it is disappointing. Um, but then again, you know, we know the Swans forward issues. And um, if you can plan for it, because Tom Papley, um, he's a fantastic player, but he's no key forward. So if you can plan for him, I guess you can stop scoring a whole heap. So I'll be looking forward to getting some some players back next season and, and maybe have a fight for the finals. Who knows? Uh, the Suns. I'll finish up with the Suns here because... They look cooked on Friday night. Uh, the conditions were hot and humid, we know that. And they were fixtured to play um, you know, two games in, in nine days. So that is a contributing factor, of course. But in hindsight, you know, the Suns, you know, we wanted them to to change this season. August historically has not been a good month for the Suns, we know that. But um, you know, 2020 has been no different. They started well, looked impressive. They've added a little bit of talent and experience. Then they've got those draft picks. Yes, there's been injuries, but you'd want them to, you know, win those some close games that they've lost and kind of push more up the ladder. I mean, how many years are we going to say? I know you, you know, say, yeah, but next year when they're not injured and when the young boys have experience, maybe they can push again. But how many years have we been saying that? We're just waiting now. And you'd be frustrated, man, if you're Stuart Dew. Because they are Stuart Jew for a win. I'll tell you that much. All right, three sure things for the weekend. I haven't planned this again. I always do this. I'm just going to go off the top of my head. All right, three sure things for the weekend. All right, guys. Um, Thursday night, it's going to be Richmond and West Coast. And I think T Lynch is set for a huge one. And I said it last week, kicked the first goal of the game. And yes, yeah, I'm a Richmond supporter, whatever. Views me all you like. I think Tom Lynch is set for absolute huge one a bag of goals which a bag these days is what four goals all right we'll kick four goals against the eagles which is huge second thing second thing second thing i think i think the question marks are going to come over port kane corns put it on the agenda on monday as i talked to gordo um they just got over the line over the hawks i've got a feeling that they're just going to get over the line over sydney and the question marks the questions are going to start flying can they do it are they consistent they're too charlie dixon reliant um, I think more of that's going to come because I think they'll just get over the line by Sydney. I don't think they can smash them. Just a small win and the questions are going to come. My last thing is the Sunday game between Carlton and Collingwood is going to be a cracker. Now, both these sides, Carlton's fighting for their season. Collingwood's fighting for... I mean, they're not realistic. They're not going to make... They're not going to miss the eight. But they're fighting to move up. There's still a chance to make top four. They're only two wins away from it, so you never know. But they want to get a lot of uh, confidence and momentum before finals come. And it's against the arch enemy. So you expect a lot of fireworks in this one. I think it's going to be a really congested, contested kind of fight. It's not going to be high scoring, but you're going to see plenty of highlights. So I think that's going to be my game of the week. It's on Sunday. I'm gonna. I'm not going to say my tip yet because I've got to think about it. And... Um, no, I think the Bosch should win, really. They should win this, really, against Carlton. If there's one game you want to start playing good footy, it's against the Blues. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. I've got another podcast, uh, as Gordo said, on Thursday afternoon. It'll be coming out, I think, we're recording tomorrow. It's called The Sports Media Microscope. It's with Sam Duncan, and we, we discuss more about the sporting issues and the sporting topics and uh, what the media, the role the media plays um, in all of this. So I hope you can join me for that, and I thank you again so much for joining me for this podcast. Um, until next time, take care of yourselves. <laughs>